That's just one of my favorites. Glad does that one. They'll be wanting to have us part of their group after this, I tell you. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 5. You'll notice that's not what's listed, but I, we're going Dominican today. On Thursday night, down there was revival night. Okay, now here you have Presbyterian. Since, since I was carried down to be baptized, okay? And they, they throw us in with these Baptists who walk down to be baptized, okay? Uh, and they say, we're going to do revivals. I guess, great, okay? Where are we going to do revivals? Out in the Bates. Well, that presents quite a problem because, one, uh, the power goes out at night in the Bates. And if you, you have to go out really far in, in Huntsville. I don't know where you can go in Huntsville to get as dark as it is at night in the Bates. There just are no lights out there. So I'm at Bate 6, Dan was at 7, and these Bates are, are communities that have grown up to uh, service the sugarcane uh, areas. So they're very poor. There's one clinic that uh, the group goes to at Bate 7. Um, Bate 6 is right along the main drag, so they drop us off. There's me and, and Grace and Sophia and, and John, the guy from Texas, and our translator, Yodi. And uh, there are two guys there at this little park alongside the road. So we get off the bus, and, and they're off the uh, truck, and we go over there, and, and Pastor Danielle, and he's, he's ready to go. He says, the whole town is coming out. Well, well that, that's great. Uh, so uh, when are we going to start? Oh, when everybody gets here. Now, you understand, that's kind of the way it works. We were supposed to start at 6. I think we started at 7.15, uh, 7.30 maybe in the other place. There was another uh, group that went out to uh, someplace uh, further out. So we're just kind of hanging out and, and understand it had been raining the previous two weeks in the Dominican, so uh, the mosquitoes are everywhere. And I sprayed before I went. And, and Grace is starting to go like this. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, the mosquitoes are out. And I said, didn't you put on spray? She goes, I forgot. <laughs> I said, you've been here for four months. How can you forget to spray for mosquitoes? Um, so we're out here, and, and the vehicles are going by, and they start bringing stuff out. They brought uh, a keyboard, and they brought, of course, big honking speakers like this, this large. Uh, and they bring out a generator. Uh, I guess they're anticipating the power going out. The power hasn't gone out yet. Um, they bring out a couple microphones and they start setting up and, and um, you know, then when we hear singing coming down the road and we think, oh great, they're all, the whole church is coming out now, but no, those are the Haitians and they're doing their own thing. So they come out and they dance and, and play and, and dance around and sing and then they, they go back. Uh, um, so we don't see them again because um, they were doing everything they did in Creole, not in Spanish. Um, so uh, the time comes, and of course, we're just about ready to get, uh, and, and understand, those of you who have former military training, I guess, have a word for this kind of thing, but it was chaos, okay? It was just, it, it, and I'm, I'm sitting over there, because Presbyterians, how do we do things decently and in order, okay? We don't do things in chaos, but chaos kind of runs the place down there. We, Dan has taught us that you may, must maintain rigid flexibility at all times when you go to the Dominican, right? So, so there we are, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, geez, this is terrible, because the, somebody's up singing. Now, the, the power has gone off, 
Okay, so it, it's dark. Close your eyes. Get down in the cave down in, uh, you know, that cave down there, Cathedral Cave, and, and at the end, and it is just dark, and, but the stars are beautiful. That's one, one great thing. See all the galaxies. So they bring up all their scooters, and they, they shine their headlights on the generator, and they want to start the generator. Well, of course, it doesn't start. So that takes another 15 minutes, and, and they're just working the crowd, and this little lady who's, a, who's at the pasture school, she's about this big. She comes out, and she... She wins the record for being able to say hallelujah the most times in 30 seconds. And she just went on, hallelujah, hallelujah, and they're just going at it and, 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 and singing. And there are a couple songs that I, I knew uh, and, and just because I'd heard them before. Um, and finally, the generator starts up. So then somebody gets the microphone and starts to sing and talk. Well, that's when the guy decides he needs to work on the keyboard. So he starts working on the keyboard. And the keyboard is so loud that you can't hear the people talk. Uh, but the keyboard never gets any better. He just keeps working on it, and then it never gets any better. So, now when we got there, I asked the three pastors, I said, what's the, what's the plan? And they said, whatever you want to do. I said, we're going to have music? He's, they go, do you want to have music? <laughs> <laughs> so, John, who's the guy from Texas, gets up and he gives, gives testimony. And uh, he came to Christ early in his life, 11, then just really went down the tubes, through the Marines, um, the Lord walloped him later in life, and he's just this great, godly guy. I mean, he was ill one day, so he went over to the clinic. He couldn't go out on the work crew. He went over to the clinic or the hospital and just stopped by the beds and prayed with everybody that he saw. I mean, this is just the kind of guy that he was. He gave his testimony, and I got up, and uh, when, I, when I got down by the microphone, I don't want you to think I was exaggerating, okay? Whenever there's a microphone, it's not here, it's here, and, and a couple voices down there, they just bypass your ears, and they just go right through your head, but that's just the way they like it. They like it loud. I mean, part of that is because you have to battle the noise of the traffic and things like that. You'll see our windows are nice and sealed. We're in the air conditioning, or we're in the heat. Windows are all open there. If they have windows, they're usually just blocks that are they're open, or we're, we're out right along the main drag, so the Speakers are cranked up, and they expect this Presbyterian to get out there and move the crowd. Well, you know, I, I, I want to stand. Let's, let's teach some doctrine, you know. Or, but they don't want to hear doctrine, okay? That wasn't why we were there. We were there for doctrine in the pastor school. At night, this was revival time. So I preached from this passage, okay? Now, I did have the thing from Psalms ready, but I thought, oh, y'all need a little Dominican, Dominicanization. Uh, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, come upon us today that as we look at your word, we might understand your power and your authority and your graciousness to us and how we are to respond. Open our eyes to your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now really, I said Mark 5, and we're just going to go to the uh, look back at verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark. And really, if you go to John chapter 6, I believe, you see that this runs chronologically right on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay? Now, now, we know the story. Jesus is out there. All these people follow him, and uh, he preaches and teaches, and then the disciples come to him and say, uh, it's too late to send them into town, and, and they're not going to get any food. What are we going to do? And Jesus tells them what? You feed them. Oh, well, we got this little boy, and he's got some fish and some loaves. 
And that's all that we could find. So you know what happens. Jesus takes it and he multiplies it and they keep pulling it out and they pull it out and they pull it out and they fed the 5,000. That was just the men. Okay, if we took the men out of this room, how many women, how many children are here? They just multiply that out to that degree out on the hills. And all these people are fed and they've got 12 baskets left over. And, and you know, this is the miracle that the apostles saw. The, the disciples saw this right in front of their eyes. And Jesus says, paraphrasing, well, let's, let's hit the road and let's go across the sea. So that's where we pick up. Um, on verse 35 on that day when evening had come he said to them let us go across to the other side this is the sea of galilee or the gennesaret okay gennesaret depending upon how you want to translate it but it's the sea of galilee now understand that this sea is surrounded on three sides basically uh, by mountains uh, and, and one end is open and that's the valley and and when the winds come they come up that valley and this sea which is, I don't know, four, four miles across or, or so. I mean, you can sit there on one side, see Tiberius on the other side. So um, uh, it's not that far, but when the wind comes up, this sea, the waves go 15 to 20 feet. I mean, this, this is bad news on when a storm comes up because the winds are funneled right up the valley through the sea. So on this day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and the other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose now what did this most of the disciples used to do for a living fishermen this this was their sea this was their lake i mean they knew what was going on here a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling now these were guys who were used to this used to seeing the waves used to seeing the wind used to seeing the storm and the waves are crashing over to boat over the boat, and they're really scared. I mean, these guys are really scared because they go back to the to Jesus, and where's Jesus? He's tired. He's he's in the boat sleeping. Okay, and they wake him up, and they wake him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "Peace, be still." Now, understand if you get in your bathtub and you slosh around and then get out. Does it naturally, immediately, instantaneously go back to glass? You know, glass still surface? Well, multiply that to the size of the Sea of Galilee. Multiply that, you know, a hundred thousand times, and you can see the wave action probably wouldn't stop for days after a storm. Well, like that. The wind stops, and the sea is calm. Just like that. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, didn't you just see what I did yesterday when we fed the 5,000? Do you remember? Just some loaves and some fish and, and we multiplied it and everybody ate. Do you think, why should you ever be afraid when you're with me? And they were filled with great fear. This is that, that awe, fear, that that, that, wow, I said, who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? There they were, they had seen these great miracles, and they still didn't know who Jesus was. They still didn't grasp his power. They still didn't understand. He commands nature. What are 15,000 mouths to feed to Jesus? 
What is a little windstorm to Jesus? He's the one who is created. By him and through him all things were created that came into existence. He controls it all. Why? Because the Father has given it unto him. They come to the shore. Chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the county, to the country of Gerasenes, or that's, that's the other side of the lake. Now, the issue here is that, remember, here's a big storm on the water. So you would think that people would wake up, and they'd say, oh, man, the wind's blowing, and the storm is raging, and all of a sudden the storm stops, and the sea is calm. Now, that just doesn't happen. That's just not normal. In fact, that is so out of the normal, they could never even conceive of that ever happening. You would think that there would be a lot of people down on the shore waiting to see what happened or who came across that could tell them the story of what had just gone on. But there's nobody down there. Nobody's on the shore. Nobody's curious. Verse 2, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, no, there is one guy, one guy, stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is a guy who's possessed. Okay? A guy who is possessed. Now, possession is not something that most of us ever deal with. Even most pastors don't actually deal with those who are possessed. And let's give you a, just a quick primer on it. The believer cannot be possessed. Why? Christ within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Okay? You can't come and kick out Christ in our lives. Satan cannot come and kick out Christ, the Holy Spirit, in our lives and come and fill us. Those who do not know Christ, those who have nothing within them, can be possessed. Can be possessed. Now, do we find that in our society? I don't know. Maybe we sometimes maybe mistake it for mental illness, but, but there are people who are possessed in, in society. And I've told you about a friend I have who is kind of on call with the, the Roman Catholic diocese where he lives. I mean, he's a Presbyterian, but he kind of fell in with this group. And they go off, and, and the, he, this is the Roman group from that diocese that does exorcisms. And they'll give him a call and say, we're going, can you come tonight? And he says, sure. And his job is to pray and read Scripture. Okay, he doesn't get involved in, in what they do other than if, if this is the room and here are the, the priests and there's the person possessed, he goes over there and sits and begins to read the Word of God and to pray. And he said, one day I was there for three days. Okay? Three days praying and reading and praying and reading. He said, you just can't, I can't describe to you the things I've seen. Flying across the room, speaking in languages, you, you just... All the things, that not all the things, but the stuff that you see on TV and go, ooh, ooh, you know, those things are cool, but they're all TV. No, Satan is power, but he is under God's authority. So this man who is possessed comes to Jesus and meets him on the shore. He lived among the tombs, verse 3, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Okay, they could not contain him. He lived up in the tombs. He lived mostly by himself because you only go up to the tombs when there's a funeral. And who wants to go up and hang out with the crazy guy who's possessed, whose chains cannot bind him, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. That would be like wood stocks, you know, neck, hands like that. These could not hold him, but he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. No one could subdue him. The chains couldn't hold him. The wooden stocks couldn't hold him. Nothing could hold him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. You think, oh, why, why would this happen? 
What kind of behavior is this? Okay, this is the demon within him attempting to destroy the image of God. Okay, why is it a sin to kill another person? Because you are destroying the image of God. We are created in God's image and likeness. He says to destroy that image is wrong. Well, the demon can't kill this guy because where is he going to go? Okay. So he destroys him by throwing himself on the ground, by taking rocks and cutting this man, and he goes on day and night and day and night. Why? Demons don't need to sleep. I mean, the guy needs to sleep, but he's not getting any because the demon that fills him is just simply going and going and going. Verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. The demons know who Jesus is. And what? They shake they are afraid of jesus why because he has power he has authority everything is under his command and, and stupid people like us we're not even afraid of jesus okay if i don't know christ as my lord and savior what do i care am i really afraid of him i mean i, I may not even believe in god the demons not only believe in god they know he exists they know his power and they fear him their lives are not changed, but they fear him. Crying out with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? You remember, go back at the end of verse chapter 4. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples who had been hanging out with Jesus all this time, they, were just, they still didn't understand him, but the demon has it down. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. This demon knows who Jesus is. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Basically that says, don't send me into that, um, uh, lack of a better term, really nasty place where other demons are. Remember uh, when we studied Jude, there was that, uh, the, the darkest of the darkest places. That's where they, some had been sent already. Don't send us down there, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? What is your name? And the man says, legion, for we are many. Now, we know that a Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers in it. 6,000 soldiers. Are there 6,000 demons in this man? We're going to see in a moment just how many there may have been within him. But, but how do you get more than one demon in somebody? How do you be possessed by more than one unclean spirit? Well, you have a man who's, let's say, possessed by one. And we see this in other places of Scripture, where if that demon is removed in some fashion, and he comes back a little bit later and finds that the house is still empty, that the vessel has not been filled with something else, he goes and gets seven of his demon buddies and he comes back and get now there are even more within the person okay because the vessel is empty an unfilled vessel what nature abhors a vacuum if there's nothing there something will come and fill it would you rather be filled with the world rather be filled with satan rather be filled with the holy spirit my name is legion for we are many and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Okay, that not to send us down into the deepest, darkest pits. Now, a great herd of pigs were feeding on the hillside. 
And they, that would be legion, all the demons within the man, said, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. Now, the pigs are what? They're just, for Jews, they're just bad. You don't hang out with them. Prodigal son, he was so low, so out of every resource that he was desiring to eat the things that the pigs were eating. So Jesus gave them permission, okay? What power? What authority? He had already taken some loaves and fishes and fed the multitudes. He had already calmed the sea with his word, peace be still. And it wasn't like, well, then the storm began to subside. No, it was like that. It was done. The sea was calm. He gives them permission. He has authority over these demons. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000. So we, we can draw just a simple conclusion. There must have been how many demons in the guy? At least 2,000 demons in this one guy. No, matter, no wonder why he didn't sleep. No wonder why he was tormented day and night. No wonder why chains could not bind him. And the unspirits, clean spirits came out, entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea, drowning into the sea. Now, I've been to this place. Those of you who have been to Israel, this is one of the stops that we make. Okay? And there you have this cliff, and then they say, well, this is, this, you know, from geography and the Bible, this is where it happened. And the pigs, got, all the demons went in there, and just like lemmings, into the sea. That's where they went. Off the cliff, down in the sea, and they all drowned. Now, you would think that by seeing this, your first action would be to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, to see his power, to see that he controls everything. But what happens? The herdsmen fled. Ah, they were afraid and they ran back into the city to tell everybody what had just happened. Okay? And they told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they get there and they see what? They see the man who was formerly demon-possessed and he is clothed and he is in his right mind and he is sitting there calmly just worshiping Jesus. And here these people have come from town. They've heard the story from the herdsmen about everything that has happened and what do they do? <laughs> Leave us. Go away from us. Get away from us, Jesus. You, we, you, know, you destroyed our pigs. They love their pigs more than they love Jesus. They love their stuff more than they love Jesus. Jesus was here demonstrating his power and demonstrating his mercy and grace in this guy's life. And all that they could do was to say, Jesus, get away from us. Get away from us. They came to Jesus, saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind. They were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Okay, Jesus, leave us. So Jesus gets in the boat. No, they're not begging him to stay. They're begging him to leave. The God of all power, the God of all authority, the one who has demonstrated this great power, and they want him out of town. But the man who was demon-possessed, I mean, his life had been changed. Changed forever. 
Now he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had sat at the feet of Jesus. He had worshipped his Lord and Savior. And he says, will you let me go with you? The only guy who has any sense in this story is the guy who was demon-possessed. Beyond Jesus and the apostles. He wants to go with Jesus. But what does the Lord say? Verse 19, he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. How could he not? How could he not run into town and everybody look at him and say, aren't you the guy that was in the tombs? Aren't you the guy that no chain could bind? Aren't you the guy that was possessed by the unclean spirit? I am. But Jesus came and cleansed me. He took that spirit away from me. He's given me a new heart. Remember the guy was born blind in John chapter 9? And the Pharisees began to question, you're not really the guy that was born blind. I mean, you're not really the guy that's been sitting here for the last 25 years begging because you're blind. And go ask my parents. They'll tell you, I'm the guy. Well, how did you really get your sight? It was Jesus who gave me my sight. And the man who was possessed by the demons says, my friends, it was Jesus Christ. He came and cast these demons out. He has changed my life forevermore. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. He is the only evangelist that Jesus leaves there. The only evangelist, what a better evangelist. His life had been changed. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that would be the ten cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You know, we, we look at the story and go, oh, okay, well, that's just, just telling us a story, just illustrating something for us. Now, this is what happened. This is the power that Jesus has. And many of us in this room know that. Many of us had no interest in Jesus Christ at one point in our life. We, were, we, we didn't have anything to do with him. We didn't even know who he was. He was something to be mocked, something to be made fun of. You know, it was those stupid Christians. They're not strong enough to stand on their own two feet. And then, on that day, the Lord came. Bam! And our life was changed. And we thought, why didn't I see this before? Why didn't I understand this before? Now the Lord has opened our eyes and we see that real life and real power and real mercy and real freedom can only be found in the one who has authority over the fishes and the loaves, over nature, over demons, and over us. And he calls us today to believe upon him Believe. Today is the day of salvation. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is who are we that you are mindful of us? That you should care for us that you should place within the midst of us demonstrations of your power, demonstrations of your mercy, that our hearts would be moved, that, that, that our, our, the, the way that we see the world, the way that we've always thought about the world would simply be torn apart and, and reworked so that we could actually see the truth 
Randy is not the center of his universe. You are. For you are the one and the only one who can change us, who can save us, who can give us life. Eternal life, but also life here in this world. We think we have it all. We think we really understand it. We got the world by the tail, but yet we are simply spinning our wheels because we don't have anything until we have Jesus Christ. Come upon us today, Lord, that our eyes would be open to this. That if we walked in this room without Jesus Christ, if we walked in this room saying, I'm a good church member, I'm a good Presbyterian, I'm just, uh, you know, my world is fine, rock our world, Lord, and, and open our eyes, that we would say, I have got to have Christ. I must confess my sin. My eyes have been opened, and I hear the Lord calling my name in particular. He says, come to me today. Confess your sin. Believe upon Jesus Christ. You will forever be changed. We pray these things in his name. Amen.